fantastic to have you on here how have you been i'm great gentlemen thank you very much for the invite and uh i've 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 watched several of your interviews and you guys do a great job thank you for having me yeah for sure man um how is your how's your trading been lately well it's you know i'm i'm uh i'm hanging in there uh it's not, not 2021 at least not yet um it's been pretty interesting the first few months of of the year, including today, as I'm sure you guys saw, but, uh, just hanging in there and trying to, uh, stay very disciplined and patient with everything going on in the market. Yeah. It's, um, it's different. I know there's a lot of people who, who joined the market in 2020 and 2021, and this is, this is a brutal wake up call to all them. No doubt about it. I mean, you've really got to have uh, a plan going in and it's just crazy. I mean, there's, the volatility is amazing, which I guess in some respects is a good thing. And it's what you want, um, at least if you're a, a, a short-term trader, but no one's really quite sure where things are going to go. And um, uh, I guess the, the key is that you can't really make any assumptions. You kind of have to wait and just see how it unfolds and then react from there. You can't, I guess what I'm saying is you can't get ahead of it because if you do, you might get trampled. Yeah. Yeah. That sure. happened to me. Um, I tried, so I thought I thought, you know, spy was gonna do some funky stuff and people were gonna rotate into uh precious metals and stuff and I tried to get ahead of the curve and got just ran over. Just spy pulled everything down. All my miners that I had were just yanked down and precious metals didn't do what I expected. So it's just not the market to be taking chances like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. You gotta just look at it short term and, and kind of take it day by day. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm gonna ask you first, and then we'll go to we'll go to Tony on this. But have you taken anything from the earnings reports? Kind of the weirdness of this earnings season, as in maybe an outlook on spy for uh, for maybe 2022 into 2023. I think it's hard to really know what's going to happen. I mean, you've seen with a lot of these large cap names, including today with Amazon and Apple and Intel. Um, that there is a almost a tug of war going on between short-term and long-term thinkers as far as what's going to happen with these names. And obviously, these names are big names um, that affect the rest of the overall market. I mean, I'm a small cap trader uh, almost exclusively, but I pay attention to what's going on with the overall market and the, the large names. And even today, what you saw with uh, Amazon and Apple, for example, where they just ripped higher during the session and then gave it all back and more, um, at least in Amazon's case. I think Apple is, is flat right now with the entire day. You know, that's a 12 point move down for Apple. So what's that mean going forward into the rest of this year and early next year? I don't know. I mean, I think that people are waiting to see what happens with uh, the, the rate hikes and people are waiting to see what happens with the war the inflationary pressures, China, and on and on. And so all these companies are being affected. And I think that what you see is people trying to figure it out. But the reality is, I'm not sure anyone can figure it out. I mean, you saw Microsoft get beat up earlier this week on the initial uh, uh, drop after earnings, and then it rallied back. You saw Netflix, which is just in free fall. Um, And so, you know, people want to play the bounce in a lot of these names, but I think you got to get, you got to be careful because if you guess wrong, it can be painful. A lot of these large 
cap names are moving like small caps right now, right? And so I, I expect it to continue going forward, but I don't know what direction. And maybe you guys do. You're smarter than me. No, I... I honestly... Yeah. You go we, ahead, Tony. You can... You can. <laughs> I mean, if we knew, we'd be billionaires. I don't... I'm, I just think that... Uh, <clears throat> this is something that Teddy and I talk about all the time. Like you were saying, just play it day to day. What's there? There, you run the risk of, like you were saying, getting caught if you try to uh, pick a potential direction. Um, it's just, it's really not worth it. It, it really isn't. Um, and until further notice, I think it's just a day to day market. And you know, we go back to like October, November, and last year we were getting a three, four point moves out of spy. Now we're getting 14, 15 point moves out of spy. So yeah, it, yeah. the volatility is through the roof. Um, and I, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself. If you're trying to swing trade, trying to predict the, the direction of the market, I think your best bet is just, um, take what the day gives you have no bias. Like I always tell my, uh, my discord and then move from there. Um, it's kind of funny that uh, we had that rip today on everything, basically. And me and my my buddy in Discord were talking, and and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna remember this day." I'm like, "Yeah, this is the day that like killed people that had any kind of bias." Because um, once things started to rip, you know, how many people were like, "Oh, this is just this isn't a real. We're about to flush back down," or "Oh, you know, this isn't gonna last." And then they kept saying it for hours and hours. We ripped the second half of the entire entirety of the second half of the day so you just can't have any bias and you just have to trade whatever's in front of you yeah and i think you have to have a a very short leash because if you're wrong that's fine you know we're all going to be wrong um many times but but you can't if you're wrong you got to get out reassess and then step back in later the next day whenever it is but you can't just hold because you're seeing you know, just this week, we're seeing, I mean, today the, the, the S&P was up 103 points. We saw a 100-point drop earlier this week. I mean, it's just crazy, you know. And so if you're on the wrong side, if you're on the right side, it can be really fun. If you're on the wrong side, uh, it's trouble because it can accelerate quickly. Yeah, I would say um, the only thing that I'm taking from these earnings is that we're probably going to be expecting – next quarter to be you know not as good as possible not as not as good as um they expected you know going into the year for that quarter because a lot of guidance is let out at the beginning of the year and so it's possible that we'll see something like some analysts overcorrect, and then we'll get some beats next quarter um that we normally wouldn't get but other than that i'm not i'm not banking too much on this being you know an indicator of a bear market like a lot of people are talking on twitter everyone's saying like oh how how many times have you seen so many of these large companies miss earnings in one one quarter um this is the indicator of you know these these supply the supply issues uh still going on the inflation possibly you know taking over and push, pushing our market further we're going under 400 and all this stuff that's the exact kind of mindset that's going to get you you know squeezed out of a, of a position real bad and then end up you know margin called somehow or or you know blown up an account that kind of thing which you know i'm not i'm not a believer in that mindset i'm a believer in see what's in front of you and uh take it as it comes don't try to predict based on some stuff that doesn't have, you know, long-term, um, you know, proof that it works. But right, right. We were, uh, I think, was this last week, Tony? We were talking about Elon and Twitter, and it was actually the day where the news came out that Twitter rejected their deal. And me and you both said we still thought Elon was going to buy Twitter. Mm-hmm. That and was last now week. he's buying Twitter. So, um, singles and doubles, you have any thoughts on that? You think it's actually going to go through? Because if it does go through, then uh, Twitter's at a pretty good pretty good price for people to just take those shares and take them into conversion and um you know make a solid 10 percent regardless of uh any up and down movement in the next few weeks but a lot of people seem to think that it's not going to go through what are you thinking you know i i uh i tweeted about this last night um i think that uh from a uh, you know personal standpoint i think it's great that elon's trying to buy twitter and i hope he is successful as a trader, um, I'm not sure. I think that the risk versus reward makes sense. You know, if the stock's at uh, f- uh, 49 
right now, 49 and change, and the the deal's at 54.20. You're talking about a five point move to the upside. Uh, so, like you said, a, a 10% you know approximate move. Uh, if it goes through, if it clears all the hurdles, um, which is going to take some time, versus what potentially, if it doesn't happen, will probably drop the stock. Uh, I you know I, I don't see personally that the uh, the reward versus risk ratio makes sense to jump in. I, I I only speak from experience because I remember, well I remember several deals over the years where you would think, oh, you know, that's the arbitrage. That's that spread. And you can just jump in right now, lock it up. You're going to get a point or two, you wait a few months, but it's still a few percent. And not all those deals go to the finish line. Or if they do go to the finish line, there might be a haircut or there's a concession that's made. And so, um, you know, I, I think someone's probably got a better chance to jump in and make a few dollars on the run-up towards a potential deal happening than actually waiting for the physical end of the, uh, the the deal where if successful they take the company private because i just think that there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff going on there and i think it's going to take a while and so then you ask yourself what's the time value of money to tie up your money for for 10 percent? and there's nothing wrong with 10 percent, but it's not a guaranteed 10 percent. so uh i'm not going to step into that i i i'm going to leave it alone I think I second that. I think um, from my standpoint, if the deal doesn't go through, I bet you they drop 20%. If the deal does go through, you're going to get that 10%. But um, there's a lot of downside. If Even if, you know, news comes out that maybe Elon, you know, something is happening, it's probably just going to drop on you like a, like a hat and you're not even going to have a chance to, you know, get out, you know, do anything with it, hedge at all. So I would say risk reward isn't there. But um, I hope he gets. It. I hope he. I hope he makes some changes to Twitter that we've been hoping for for a while. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I think that you, you kind of separate out the. I mean, you know, all of us trade, and so we look at it as traders. Uh, some look at it as investors. Uh, but personally, aside from that, I think it'd be great if he got it, uh, because I think it will make the the, the medium better, um, for a lot of reasons. But as an as a trader. You know, when when Amazon did the deal a few years ago with Whole Foods, I don't know if you guys remember that the spread on that deal was very small on like literally right from the get go. And it ended up sailing through and getting done. You don't see that here. I mean, this mm -hmm. technically this stock should be at 51, 52. Uh, it should be sitting five dollars away right off the bat. And there's a reason that it is. And the reason I think is exactly what we just talked about, which is it should happen. It can happen, but it's not a guarantee to happen. And so, you know, I don't want to park money there and just wait six months and, and see what happens. I'd rather just move on and, and let it go. If I miss the 10%, I miss it. With my money somewhere else. I can get 10% somewhere, somewhere yeah. else within a few days and then not worth it. move it somewhere else, move it somewhere else, move it somewhere else. Yeah. And in that time, make 50%. If you're waiting for 10% for a couple months, that's not very efficient. So, Yeah, and if it was only going to take a couple months, I think that'd be one thing. I get the feeling just reading what's in the trades, it's going to take a lot longer than that. Um, I don't know how they necessarily accelerate something like that. I mean, it's a big deal. There's a, there's a lot going on, and I think it's going to take uh, several months, but I, I don't know what the time frame is. I don't think anyone does. And I believe that's part of the reason why personally, my opinion is I, I'm just going to stay away. Yeah. Well, um, I had a couple questions for you specifically in terms of, um, I guess your trading journey, whatever you want to call it. But, um, the first question I had was, um, how long have you personally been trading and, um, maybe what kind of got you into the market? So I've been fascinated by the stock market since I was a kid. Um, I'm a lot older than you guys. I'm 57 years old. And uh, I've been, so I've been around the stock market for a, a while. But I really got active again back in late 2011. So a little more than 10 years ago. I had a full-time job. Uh, so I was an active trader, but I was still a part-time trader because 
because I had other responsibilities. And that's really kind of what got me uh, uh, going again. Um, and then in 2000, early 2019, I, I went full time. So I've been full time for a little bit more than three years. And uh, that seven and a half years before I went full time, I mean, you, you know, you guys have probably read my tweets over the the months and stuff. That was a that was a tough journey. Um, I never blew up an account, but I didn't make much money either and really learned a lot of lessons along the way, um, mainly about myself psychologically, that when I was finally able to, to, to get control of that as a trader, uh, everything changed for me as a trader. And so um, I'm pretty disciplined, uh, as you guys know, uh, mm-hmm. But I didn't used to be. I used to take a lot of chances and hold too much size and hold, hold too many positions and just make mistake at the same mistakes over and over and over again, really expecting a different result that never really came. It might come yeah. for a few days or a couple of weeks, but ultimately those mistakes would set me back. And I just finally got to a point where I said in, in early 2019, if you really want this, which I did. Um, I told myself, you got to change. You've got to follow your rules. You've got to have more discipline and you, you need to do it every single day. You can't vary or you're going to continue this, this mediocrity uh, road that you're on, which I, I'd already done it for 90 months and I was done. So I changed and I held myself accountable. And, um, you know, thankfully I do that every single day. I just hold myself accountable because no one else is going to hold me accountable. Yeah, that's exactly <clears throat> that's the truth too. And that like that'll lead into my my next question. So, if you, what would your best advice be to somebody that may be struggling with um, discipline, not following their rules, continuously making the same mistakes? Was there anything for you that um, was kind of what what really clicked? Um, that, you know, you started to follow your rules, you started to be consistent, make money consistently, um, et cetera. Right. Yes. Um, you know, I was tweaking my rules. I remember, remember way back in 2012, trying to lay out rules for myself. And over the next four or five years, literally into 2017, I was tweaking rules based on what I was experiencing as a trader. And so I was getting closer to the way I trade now and, and the rules I use today, I, I had the 10 rules and you see me post these on Twitter every couple of weeks, those 10 rules I had back in 2017, but it took me another two years before I actually followed those rules. And so I started being religious about it in 2019. And so to answer your question, um, what I tell people, Tony is first thing you need to have, some rules. You need to have a plan and they don't have to be my rules or anyone else's rules. You need to have your own rules and you need to follow them. And I see too many people who are, they, they jump into trading. They think it's an easy game. Uh, They really, they think they have rules, but they really don't, you know, they're, they're too loose. They, they don't have enough. They're, they're, they're too vague. And so I tell anyone that asks me, you know, do you have rules? And once you have rules that you're willing to live by, whatever they are, then you have to commit, in my opinion, to being non-negotiable with those rules. That's where it starts. If someone is, is jumping in um, with real money, trying to make a go of it, not just playing around, you know, you, you got to start there. And so before the trading part comes, you have to have the, uh, the rules and the willingness to follow the rules. And I just tell people, look, I mean, you're talking to somebody that 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 did not do that for a long time. And my hope and my goal is that it doesn't take anyone seven and a half years to finally say, F it, I'm doing this, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how you have to start. And it doesn't matter what you trade. It, it doesn't matter if you trade small caps, large caps, crypto, Forex, you know, it, it, options. It doesn't matter. You have to have a plan. And, and you have to be real with yourself. And I think that getting real with yourself is the toughest thing. I mean, this is a personal 
growth course, this, this trading life that we live. And you have to be real with yourself. You know, if you make a bad trade or some bad trades, you have to be real and acknowledge it and analyze your trades and figure out like, what did I do in the heat of the moment or not do that prohibited me from being successful? And am I making that same mistake over and over? And so I review trades still. Uh, I encourage people to review their trades, you know, looking back I and mean, here we are now, we're coming up on the end of April tomorrow, right? And people need to have a plan for May and people need to review their trades from April and see what worked and what didn't and why. So that's what I tell everybody new or experienced um, when I'm asked. I think the biggest, one of the other biggest issues with that whole, um, like, so you said it took you seven plus years. We've had Mitch picks on. It took him seven years. We've had so many people on where they say, you know, this isn't what like FinTwit makes it out to be. Like it's taken me years and years, five plus years to, to be successful. And I think um, that's one of the biggest problems is finding something like FinTwit or finding something like a Discord group where you're seeing people that are making money. You're seeing people claim they're making, you know, thousands and thousands, million, millions of dollars. And that I think is a huge issue because people see that and they're like, oh, well, you know, that I want to do that and they don't realize that it takes years and years and years. And I think that's one of the big problems with Fintoit. And my, my last question actually for you is how do you think with, in regards to Fintoit, um, what do you think would be your best advice for beginners? Maybe they just found Fintoit and, and maybe how to navigate it because there's a whole lot of bad and there's not that much good as I'm sure you know. So yeah, that's a great question. I think that, you know, uh, when I, I'm in the Sapphire Discord um, every day, and I grew a lot as a trader when I found Sapphire, um, because there were some very good and are some very good traders in there. Uh, but there's a lot of people in there, and there's a lot of calls being made, and you have to learn, you know, how to weed through that Um and not jump at every single thing that comes your way. I see a lot of new people that they jump into a Discord, regardless of which Discord it is, or they're on Twitter, they're following a number of people, and they get FOMO. They want to jump at all these different uh, uh, potential opportunities, but they really don't have a plan going in. And so I've always said, you can, you know, you can, if someone makes a call on a, on a stock that they think is going to move uh, higher, Let's say if you're on the long side, you can take that trade, but you better have an idea of what it means to you, regardless of what it means to someone else. You know, where's your stop? What's your plan? What's your potential exit? What's the reward versus risk ratio? All those things. And I think that you gain that from experience when you're in a discord or you're on Twitter every single day. You know, you learn um, who who the, the real ones are. Who, who the ones that maybe aren't uh, mm -hmm. as, as, as transparent are. Um, you just learn that through experiencing and through following people. And um, it's hard to know that going in because there's a lot coming at you. You know, I remember when I first, three, three four years ago, um, I could not believe the amount of calls that were being made, you know, all over the place. And you really had to, to, to settle in very quickly and make sure that you were staying true to it because you can't, you can't take all those trades. You can't just jump around. So, um, but having said that, there are some very, very excellent uh, uh, traders on FinTwit and I respect a great number of these people and I've learned a lot from these people and, and continue to. So it, it's, it's kind of like there's pros and cons to everything. And I think through experiencing it, uh, if someone is stays patient and, and takes their time, they will learn how to work their way through that maze. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's such a weird thing. Like I I just know from personal experience and I'm sure you guys can uh will agree with this, like the the biggest lessons I learned in the market were like from losses. Um and I know I have people that 
in my Discord where they'll be like, yeah, the some of the best lessons I learned were from taking somebody's call on Twitter and it just absolutely tanking and re- and realizing that like that's just not reality. I can't live off somebody else's calls. Um so I yeah, totally agree with you. To the nuts. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've all done it. We've all done yeah. it. Yep. Learned the hard way, figured out, you know, sometimes you got to just uh get back to the books yourself. Watch a couple of YouTube videos, learn some stuff rather than uh, listen to John, Dick, and Harry over there who's spouting out 10 tickers a day or whatever it is. But there's, like Singles and Doubles said, there are some uh, some great people on FinTwit. I've met a lot of them. I've talked to a lot of them. Um, real traders out there who are actually trying to help. Yeah, and you know what? Trading is tough. And anybody that says it's easy is lying. There's nothing easy about this. Uh, it may be easy one day or another day, but to do it consistently and make money, it's tough. This is a tough game, um, but it's a very rewarding opportunity that anybody from any, you know, any background can do if they are willing to stay with it and um, and pay their dues and move forward. And so. I, I am I am grateful for all the people that I've met uh, on FinTwit. I have gained a lot more from FinTwit than the times when I've been frustrated by some of the things I've seen on FinTwit, you know, uh, in, in the areas of transparency. Um, but overall, uh, I look forward to being on FinTwit every day because I think that uh, I can benefit and hopefully I can give back. I mean, this the single biggest reason I'm on Twitter and tweet as much as I do is to try and help other people. I mean, I try to give back. It's not for an ego stroke for me. Uh, it's to help others hopefully not go through the same thing I went through because I didn't necessarily have someone like that that was drilling the same thoughts into my head about rules and discipline and the things that really matter if you're going to become a successful trader. And so I look forward to doing that every day. And, and hopefully that makes a difference for some people, because if so, then it, it's, it's all worth it to me. Yeah, I'm sure that you are, because I see people that, that have DM'd me that are saying, hey, you got to check out this singles and doubles guy. He's changed. He's changed the way that I trade. So I'm sure that you're you're hitting a lot more people out there than than you can imagine, because sometimes they won't, you know, DM the person. They'll DM somebody else. Just be like, you guys got to check this guy out. He's he's the goods. He's got the the rules and all the all the good psychology stuff that you guys need to know for trading. It's helped me a ton, all that kind of stuff. So kudos you. to you for helping people out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, kind of a, kind of a side note here. I got a little fact for you guys that I saw the the Elon and Twitter deal is worth more than Biden's green plan. Did you guys know that? No. It's worth more yeah. than it? <laughs> wow. What's up? You said it's worth more than it? Yeah, so his Jeez. so the Twitter deal is worth more than Biden is trying to put into um, or whatever the American government is trying to put into the green plan to help save our our uh, our world as it's dying. I, saw, I think that's hilarious. I saw some. Well, that's kind of funny considering Elon Musk is like very progressive in terms of like doing everything Climate he can change. to yeah and like better the the earth. I guess. Um, yeah. Also, I saw something that Biden absolutely hates Elon. Like really, I forget what it was. Maybe he doesn't hate him. Maybe it's just some like government thing, but. He was talking about like the top EV players in the world, like the car industry, and he he talked about it like four or five oh, times, is. and he would not say Tesla at he all. He doesn't even know they exist. Um, that that's probably true, but like he he would not acknowledge Tesla. So is it? I don't know. Is it like the government? Is it? I, yeah. I just like I was sitting in my chair flabbergasted that Twitter deal is worth more than our government is going to put into. I don't know, saving the fucking earth. Yep. It's just so, it's so like, oh my gosh, that's one company out of so many companies. Like how yep. many companies could just be liquidated and that money could be used to just absolutely, I don't know, but that's a stupid thought, but it's just crazy to me to think about that. Yeah, that's is what it is. But it's though. not surprising. Yeah, no, it's not. Singles and doubles. I saw that you were tweeting um, about, Ja Morant, I don't know if I'm butchering his name, but uh, 
the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies uh, basketball player. Are you a, you an NBA guy? You know, I'm a big sports fan. Um, all sports. Right now, I'm I'm enthralled by the NBA playoffs. I'm watching a lot of the games. How about you guys? I'm a miserable Sixers fan. You know what? You need a W tonight. We need to lose the series and blow the team up, I think, is what we need to do. Oh, wow. Well, you don't want to do that after a 3-0 lead, right? Well, I just, I never agree. I never really liked the Harden trade. I like Embiid and Maxi. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. All my sports teams, I'm a Steelers fan. I'm a Yankees fan. They're all. You guys have had good years, though, during your life. Yeah, but I don't know. My sports Keep teams are faith, suffering. Who, Keep the faith. Who do who do you like? Uh, in in the NBA, mm-hmm. you know what? I I really enjoy watching Golden State play. I enjoy watching Phoenix play. Um, yeah, I like the I like the up tempo, but uh, it's up for grabs this year. I mean, there's no clear cut favorite, so we'll see. What about uh, football? Uh, NFL football? Yeah, I'm a Steelers fan. Oh, there you there we go. Who yeah. do you think we're going to take Trubisky tonight? Is Mitchell Trubisky the answer? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Teddy keeps yeah. making fun of me because of that. I so. keep I keep giving him shit because I'm like, Mitchell Trubisky was like kind of like the the made fun of quarterback in the NFL when he was on the Bears, and then yeah. the Steelers are all like, let's get me some Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, the draft is tonight, right? The draft's going on tonight. here for a while. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Right after all we right. finish filming this. Teddy, tell him who you like, though, so he can make fun of you. Oh yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a Rams fan. No, you're not. You're a Vikings fan. I'm a Vikings fan. Well, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, the most average quarterback of all time, just got extended, so I get to watch more years of us going eight and eight every single season. <laughs> They're paying him a lot of money. Yeah, for no reason, for absolutely no reason. We could draft a quarterback and get the same level of play in like two years. Yep. Yeah. I'm also a, a Bucks fan, though, but but I got to give a disclaimer. I wasn't a Bucks fan until like four years ago when Giannis was there because I didn't have an NBA team. And everyone was like, this Greek dude is going to be really good. So then I became a Bucks fan. So I, I do have one team that does pretty well. Yeah, you had, a, you had an enjoyable uh, season last year, and you may have another one this year. We'll see. Yeah. We got Chris Middleton's out for uh, the Celtics series, and I'm scared of the Celtics right now. They're on a roll. Celtics are good. That's going to be a great series. I agree. If I, I said it was probably going to be like the Nets series last year with the with the Bucks, where it goes to Game Seven overtime, one foot on the line, two point, set yeah. a three point, sends it to overtime, some crazy stuff like that. the The first question we had for you, based around your trading, is what's kind of your main trading strategy? What would you say is your go to on a daily basis, weekly basis, to make you money? I like I like trading dips, um, and I have a a set strategy I use for that, which really involves um, buying a dip after their support or, or when I perceive their support. So I like to wait for two or three candles on the five minute chart with volume to try and confirm that support. And uh, if I get it, then usually I'm going to step in. Um, if the chart signals that, but the volume's not there, I don't step in. So I need to see volume because uh, without volume, you're, you're risking catching a falling knife. Um, but I like dip buying. I do it a lot, except late in the day. I, I will not do it late in the day. Late in the day, I like to buy breakouts. And so I'm looking for breakouts if I'm making any any late trades at all. What um I actually – I had a question quick. Um, so – I know you said at the beginning you primarily trade or exclusively trade like pennies and small caps and stuff. Um, have you been, so what have you been doing in the current market? Just like playing momentum stuff or? Well, in the current market, it depends on what day it is. Yeah. Uh, You know, when the market's really poor, I'm making very few trades. And if I do make trades, my stop loss is even tighter than it normally is because mm-hmm. things are bad, Yeah, you know? And so it, you, you can't fight the trend. Um, even with small caps, when you're looking at the overall trend of the market, it, it matters. But if I see, for example, the Russell uh, getting hit 
if I step into something, I have to tighten my stop more often than not. And so I just try and pick my spots and I may uh, have to sit around for a while. Um, but usually, you know, there's there we'll find something to play uh, or two or three or five. But uh, you got to just you got to be patient. I mean, it's not robust. You know, when the IWM broke down below 210, which was support uh, several months ago, you look right now, it's under 190. And so that's another 10% drop. And yet it doesn't go straight down and it doesn't go straight up. And so there's interim periods each day and each week when there are opportunities. Mm-hmm. You just have to be very strategic about it. And more, most importantly, you have to have rules. And as you guys know, I'm all about defense. So um, that's first and foremost for me. I just will not violate a stop loss that I set for myself uh, ever because that's trouble. Yeah. So one of the questions I have that's kind of based on what you said just a few minutes ago is when you're buying these dips, are you trying to buy? So like, let's just say we're talking um, a momentum gapper. That's one of those penny stocks, you know, less than five bucks. Um, are you buying, say, like a dip, you know, it, it runs and then it dips like all the way down and you're looking for it to have three candles of support, um, you know, somewhere 25 percent removed from the peak? Or are you buying dips where it's it's moving and then it's three candles where it's, you know, five percent down? and It's just a bitty pullback here. What What's your your definition of those dips that you're looking for? Well, I, I, I have a watch list of 65 stocks. And it's a fluid watch list. So every day I'm putting stocks in there, I'm taking stocks out. And the watch list consists of stocks that I've traded before uh, that I might want to trade again, stocks that are in hot sectors or stocks with recent catalysts. So that's where it starts for me. So I have this watch list of 65 stocks. If If I wake up tomorrow and I see a stock that's not on my watch list, that's ripping higher, right? Parabolic move. I'm not sure I'm going to wait for it to pull back and want to jump into that and all that stuff. I mean, I I don't really like to go into the crowded trades like that, you know, because a stock runs from two bucks to four bucks and now it's selling off and it's down at uh, 280. Uh, I'm not sure even if the chart looks good, I want to go there and play that, um, particularly if I don't know the name. So what I'm primarily looking for on my watch list is I know what I want to see with price and, and, and an idea of volume initially to have that stock be something on my watch list that I feel I might want to trade. If it's on my watch list and it hits that initial criteria, then I'm pulling up the chart and I'm monitoring it very, very closely. And if I get what I want as far as that dip and the volume that I'm looking for, once I've pulled it up, then I'm probably going to step in and make that trade. And so it, it, it all depends. You know, my watch list, a lot of the stocks on the, the watch list I told you about are stocks I've traded before or stocks that I'm somewhat familiar with. I'm a little more cautious if I've not ever heard of the name. I'll usually take a smaller position if I step into it. Um, but I read a lot of press releases also. And so I might wake up tomorrow and see a press release on a stock that I'm not that familiar with. And it might make my watch list right then. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it gapped up huge and then made my watch list. So, you know, a lot of people are, are, are chasing after these massive runners because they have volume. And I get that. I'm not necessarily that guy because I'm always afraid of, you know, still buying it up too high, even after a sell-off, uh, which could go down further. I'd rather try to be early on something than late on something. And oftentimes when something has flown higher and sold off even if the formation looks good on the chart i still might just stay away because there's just a lot going on there and i was not early necessarily i was in after a parabolic move to begin with you know yeah i know i see you talk a lot about psychology on twitter uh, what would you say maybe are some of the the top psychological tips for trading or some of the bigger um foundational things about psychology that you think help when it comes to trading? Well, thank you for that question. Um, It's my favorite topic. The, I think at at the core, 
you know, there's two things that can kill a trader. There's fear and there's greed. And I relate it to a pendulum where you have fear on one side and greed on the other. As a trader, you want the pendulum to be as close to the middle as possible, right? You don't want it swinging back and forth in either direction. I mean, we all know what happens with greed where people have FOMO and ego and they're, just, you know, something's running and they just won't take a, a nice trade because they want more. And uh, we hear stories every day about greed, but fear is just as bad because oftentimes someone will see something set up, but because they're so fearful, they don't pull the trigger and make the trade. And so neither one of those things is good. And so I think that as a trader, you have to really work hard on your emotions. And people say, well, look, yeah, I get what you're saying, but how do you do that? Well, one way that I think that people can do it is by sizing down, take fewer shares, put in less money so that you can continually go through the process over and over of executing the full trade, you know, whether it works or whether it doesn't, you can ride it through without feeling like, um, oh, I'm holding 12,000 shares of this. I wish I only had 2000 shares or whatever it is, you know, uh, whether it's too many shares, too much money relative to what you would normally put in, you have to grow from experience. And so that's the first thing I think people have to get comfortable going through the process of the trade. Oftentimes you see someone who says, well, I sold too early or I sold too late or I did this or I didn't do that. And usually uh, the size of the shares they have, the size of the position rather, is the biggest reason why. Because look, if you're, if you're in something small, right, we've all been there. You're holding something small and you're like, you know what? Uh, I think you can go here. Here's my stop. You know, I'm going to ride this thing out because really it's not going to make that big of a difference one way or another so you ride it out and people don't do that very often they just jump in with with too much size um and they get fearful they get scared or when it starts to go they get greedy and so that's like that's those psychological aspects are huge second thing i would mention is and you guys have seen me tweet this many many times it's my number one rule Anytime you enter a trade, you better know before you take that trade where your stop is if you're wrong. Now, you might say, well, that's not really psychological. I, I think it is because when you know that, you don't have to think. Your mind doesn't jack you up and mess with you when you're in the trade in the heat of the moment. You already know I bought the stock at 190 and at 177, I am selling. If it hits that, there's nothing to think about. There's nothing to talk about. I've already pre-planned this out. I'm gone. And that is a big psychological thing. You know, when I'm in trades, this, this made a huge difference for me. I don't have to think about what I'm going to do on the downside. The upside, you know, I, I could do a number of things depending on what's happening with the volume and the chart and stuff. But on the downside, nah, I know that if, if I've gone into the trade with my stop and it doesn't work, there's only one thing to do, sell. Yeah, that's something. Your head will mess with you. It'll tell you, oh, I mean, there's still a chance it'll bounce. Oh, well, what if you just average down a bit? You have a little bit of money to average down with. Your your head will always tell you, like, oh, just, just, you're not wrong. You're just, you're just not waiting long enough. You're not wrong. Just wait a little longer. Just average down. I always tell people that's bullshit. I always tell them, you know, don't let those emotions creep in. If you have a plan before the trade, like, stick to that 110% when it comes to to that level of of stop loss. Don't let your emotions uh, get the better of you there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys saw my feed today, but I bought ARC this morning. I've never bought ARC, you know, Kathy Woods ETF. I've never bought it before, ever. I watch it all the time. I've never bought it. Today I decided I'm going to take a flyer on it, um, and I tweeted it out. I said, this is not a typo, you know, which some people thought was funny because they figured, like, I would never trade ARC, but I did uh, because I actually think there's going to be a pop there. But when I did, I said, I'm giving this $1 a share. I think I bought it at 49. I said, my stop is 48. And when 48 hit, I was gone. And after that, it dove down to 45 or six or something. Then it came back and I don't even know where it finished. But for me, there was, it was over. You know, when I yeah. bought it, I didn't say, oh, well, let's see what happens with the market and this and that. No, I was giving it a dollar. 
I got stopped. I was gone. I started the day red, but because I had the stop there, I was able to recover with other trades and I had a nice day and, and it was a, a, a nice green day, you know, but I'm not going to sit there and second guess it. Once I thought it through, I knew where I was going to exit when it hit. I just, I just sold. That was it. And I think that most people need to learn to do that. All people need to learn to do that, but most people don't do that. Cause like you said, they, they just get in their head and you can always convince yourself to do something different, right? We know that, but as a trader, that'll kill you. No. I agree. Do you, do you, uh, you have any favorite long-term holds? No, no, <laughs> I, 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 I don't hold anything long-term. Now my wife, my wife is an investor. She's not a trader. And so she's holding blue chip stocks and has been for several years, but, but I don't hold anything. I'm a short-term trader. I'm a day trader, or I might hold something for a few days if I really like it for whatever reason. But, um, no, I do not, uh, I do not like to swing trade years ago. I was a swing trader. Um, most people know that I was, I was primarily a swing trader. I would day trade, but I was primarily a, a swing trader. And what I noticed, I did an evaluation several years ago, looking at all my trades dating back for many, many months. And what I found was most of those trades opened up the next day red and some would bounce and many would not. And it was staggering how many stocks opened red. And I just got sick of it. I got sick of that. And I just decided, you know what? Um, I want to day trade. The other thing is, as a, as a small cap trader, swing trading is real tricky because a lot of bad things can happen when the market's closed. Um, mm -hmm. And some good things mm -hmm. can happen too. But there's a lot of, you know, a lot of shenanigans that can take place with small caps. And so I decided a few years ago that I want the majority of my risk to take place when the market is open, not closed. And the reason for that is because a, I trade small caps and B, I want to sleep at night. It's true. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like swing trading options. I can't even do that anymore. Cause I would, I would wake up at like three in the morning and be like, is it market open time yet? And like, just couldn't go back to bed or anything. But, uh, Tony, you got any you got any long-term stocks that you're, you're eyeballing at the moment um that i'm eyeballing yeah there's a there's quite a few a lot of blue chip stuff um i really like amd nvidia i i love apple um but those are things that i've just been trading every day um i love sofi i know we talk about that all the time i still love things i've loved a year plus ago Givo, amtx um, those are things we talk about all the time. A lot of the psychedelic stuff, but Ford I like, but it's just not worth it. I don't think for me, I mean, cause who the hell knows? I mean, I look at spy every night and I see scenarios where we end up around like 350, 300, Ooh. 300. So it, well, last week I was talking to my discord. I'm like, guys, I, you know, I'm seeing like, 410 on spy 400 on spy and this me and my buddy were talking last week um and i think we we got pretty damn close um like 410 411 412 on spy and then i was talking to 400 breaks like i there's scenarios where we end up all the way down at 300 so for me it's just simply not worth it because if that scenario plays out you got to think about where everything else is going to be um exactly. So I'm not adding anything long term right now. It's just it's simply not worth it. I in my opinion. Yeah. I got I got my uh my long term list. I don't have positions in anything because I'm not willing to to risk that downside like you were talking about because if spy goes to 350, then these stocks are going to take a 25% haircut at the minimum most likely. So I'm watching stuff like I really like Netflix as a company i think they have good fundamentals um obviously not recently um but that's the reason i'm interested is because of how much they've fallen i really like um pow p-o-w-w an ammo company i think ammo is going to be really big uh probably five years into the future i'm really hot on amtx and jivo the uh the biofuel companies that ant mentioned 
Um, I really like. I really would like some some Ford by like twelve, ten. I love bucks. Ford. I would go. I'd go pretty heavy in that, just considering the fact that Americans love their their trucks, their big Ford trucks, and the fact that they're going to get you know incentive to go electric. And Ford has already been able to actually roll out electric trucks. Um, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere they're going to be building like 40 of them a day or 400 of them a day. One of those two numbers, they're very different numbers. So I apologize, but 40 or 400 a day of their electric F one fifties, um, that kind of stuff. Those, those names I'm really interested in, uh, just like IWM long-term XBI long-term. Um, if we can, you know, get a bottom in at some point, um, which I'm not even interested until it until it breaks 400 and then you know even lower, I'll be I'll be waiting for some sort of confirmation of a bounce because I haven't been been sold on any of these bounces. There's been a bounce today and I think yesterday a bit. Um, there was a bounce you know a couple weeks back for a little bit more of an extended period of time and I wasn't convinced on any of them. So you guys will know you guys will know what I think when. Uh, when I tweet about it, oh, VTGN, I've always loved that one. I think that one is a really, really solid bet long term. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying anything until, until Spy puts some sort of bottom in because things are too volatile right now and things have too much downside to even consider um, being a long term investor. I'll just stick with with option trading and small cap momentum trading, and that's about it for now. Yeah, sounds like you have a plan. I do have a bit of a plan. I Once like the it. time comes, I'm going to hit it. I like it. Yeah. You got a plan. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so singles and doubles, this is, this is kind of my favorite, my favorite part of the podcast. We get to just rapid fire, ask you some of your favorite stuff. Um, and then we got some weird question at the end um, that we always just find something funky to talk about. But Here's some rapid fire stuff. We'll kind of, I'll ask you a question. We'll talk about it a bit after you give your answer. But, um, so let's just hop into it. What's your favorite food? Sushi. Oh, what? That's oh. a great answer. That's a perfect answer, to be honest. Do you have like a place that you go and get sushi from near you that you like a lot? Yeah, there are a couple places, but, uh, I'm all about that. You guys? Oh, man. I like. That's a that's a good answer. I don't know if I can pasta, that, but I'm a good old a good old burger fan. That works too. Any kind of pasta, pasta, any pasta. kind of pasta. Yeah. Are you Italian or something? Mm, I might be. <laughs> now, um, got a favorite drink? Singles and doubles? Uh, alcoholic drink? Either one. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm either I'm diet Snapple. Uh, I'm drinking a lot of those during the day. When I'm out partying and stuff, I'm probably having a few shots of tequila. Dude, tequila. we've gotten that answer a lot. Tequila. I really? know. A lot yeah. of people like tequila. That's surprising. What's your favorite tequila? What do you you got any recommendations? Because we've gotten that answer a few times. I, I do not have necessarily a favorite. Uh, you guys? Oh, I have mine right here. Actually, I can open my thing. Moscow oh, Moscow do. Mules, that's my favorite alcoholic drink. You posted um, that today, didn't you? You tweeted that. Yeah, out. that was actually a mango one. I have it right here. I saw that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Mango Mule. This bad boy. This what is that. This one was incredible. I I'd give this a nine out of ten. Um, it was so very good. good, and it's like eight percent alcohol. Wow. Um, I would say old fashioned man. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, ah oh man, I like I like. If it comes to just normal drinks, I'm a big like diet Pepsi cherry fan. Like just like diet Dr Pepper cherry. I like cherry flavored sodas. Um, but when it comes to alcohol, I probably would say something like I like whiskey neat. Um. But that's kind of lame. So I feel like I need to go for something a little better. I like wine. Oh shit! What's up? Wine, dude. I do drink a good bit of wine. I do drink a good bit of wine here and there. Um, I like I like some good wine, some good white wine, and then red wine. You gotta have a glass of both at night just to just to get the variance in there. But <laughs> yeah, that's about it. What? 
<laughs> What's your favorite place, singles and doubles? Carlsbad, California. That's a good place. I was just there two weeks, three weeks ago. You're kidding. No, 100% serious. Very Love that nice. place. Vacation? Yep, vacation over. We went in, we flew into San Diego, um, drove up to, where did we drive up to? Solana, and then drove up to Temecula and just drove around a bit that area. Nice, nice. Yeah, I love it. Awesome spot. Yeah. Ocean. Great Ocean weather. Plus mountains. Yep, all of it. Can't go wrong there. Um, favorite trading ticker? Well, in 2020, that would have been Jack, J A K K. Oh, thought he was going to uh, say Jan. Damn it. <laughs> I traded Jan also. Oh, there we go. I traded Jack a lot. Um, in 2021, I don't think I traded a ticker more than I traded Vizzle, V-I-S-L. That's uh, a popular one. And and this year, I've traded Ellis quite a bit, E-L-Y-S. I traded Ellis a lot last year, too, and I've traded Vizzle this year. So Vizzle and Ellis, I've traded a lot, um, you know, in, out, in, out, trading around the core. Uh, I really like Ellis. Um, I'm a day trader, but I really like the story of what, what they're doing. And the stock is not performing recently. Um, it's had some, some nice periods during that time, but it's a little bit off right now. I actually think it's going to be okay uh, moving forward, but that would make me more of a longer term swing trader to say that. So not sure I'm going to do that, but uh, I, I like it. Um, but probably, probably Vizzle and, and, and Ellis, uh, I enjoy trading those. Oh, we uh, we're kind of a bit of a Jan gang here. Me and Tony used to trade Jan together, like on a daily basis for about a year straight. Wow, really? That was my favorite. It would it would just pop probably like seven percent at the minimum a day, just randomly in the middle with liquidity that we could we could somehow sell into. Yeah, it was crazy. I I remember several times on uh, I'd be in Sapphire and someone would would post about Jan. And I I look at it and it was flying, you yep. know, yep. more than once. Yep. So you guys traded that every day, huh? Oh, like yeah. like three times a day. Like there you go. You yeah. traded this year? Did no, not we this year. We haven't it. traded it. I haven't traded it since like September. Yeah. Wow, you guys broke up, huh? Well, Jan decided to go do its own thing and break down yeah. pretty bad. So. She decided to just have a little mental breakdown, and we had to. Yeah. We had to cut her off, sadly. <laughs> I understand. I always think about uh, the office, the the girlfriend, the of Jan Michael gift. Scott. Jan. That's what I always think of. Um, favorite band singles and doubles? Led Zeppelin. Oh, that's a that's a classic. You can't you can't go wrong with that one. No, big fan. Favorite song from them? Uh, I like Ramble On. I like Black Dog. Obviously, Stairway to Heaven. Um, whole lot of love. I, mean, I just you know. Love the group. From. Love the group. How about you guys? Allison Chains. Nice. Oh boy. Can't go wrong with that. My favorite band. They're called Chase Atlantic, but you probably have never heard of them. They're like. I haven't. They're like. Uh, how would you describe them, Teddy? Like indie rock. Yeah, with a bit of like R and B in there. They're just like a fucking cluster of like a bunch of different genres, yeah. but it's actually pretty good somehow. Yeah. They on YouTube. Any uh, videos, songs? Yeah, um, they're on YouTube, whatever. They're on all the platforms. I would suggest probably Friends by them. It's called Friends. All right. I'll take a listen. We're going to need you to, uh, to message us what you think. <laughs> and don't, be, don't be nice. Yeah, you need you to be honest. Like I want to see you just... Tony, Chase Atlantic. Chase Atlantic. Yep. <laughs> I'm on it. All right. Last question. Are you any car guy at all? Do you like a certain car? Do you have a certain favorite car? I, you know what? I, I, I'm really not a car guy. Um, so I would have to answer that no. Uh, I, I don't have any pretty photos of, of vehicles to show on, on Twitter or anything like that. Nothing against anybody that does. And I know some people do it because they're very passionate about vehicles. Um, I, 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 you know, I, that's not me. I drive a Hyundai Sonata. Uh, it's in immaculate shape um 2017 and and that's that's my deal it's a hybrid and i like that because i fill up my gas tank like once every i don't know six weeks wow 
That's I think, awesome. I think the biggest flex you can have with a vehicle or the biggest like brag you can have is if you get that thing's oil changed every 3000 miles consistently <laughs> for its entire life and you keep that thing like up I think that's the hugest flex when people have like a car from like 1980 that they've driven every single day and they're still somehow driving it I think that's cooler like than a any, Honda like, Civic yeah for real like you can have a Toyota Corolla but if you've like kept that thing up for like 20 years I like bow down to you immediately. I'm like, that is absolutely nuts. I got to tell you, I agree with you 100%. Total respect for anybody that maintains a vehicle, regardless of what you drive. If you take care of it, you can always tell immediately if someone really cares or not. You know, are they running the thing into the ground or do they care about it? Um, I, I, I care about my vehicle a lot. It's in mint. Uh, I take care of it. And um, so, yeah, I dig that. I really do. And you know, I go to classic car shows and, and stuff like that, but but I'm not really that passionate about it. I just think it's cool to check some of these, you know, uh, vehicles out. So I, I dig that. I'm a, big, I'm a big Corvette fan. I really like their entire, like, transformation since the 50s. I really like those beginning 50s and then the transition into the Stingray. And then I even like some of their newer models, like this year, last year, the past three or four years. But that's about it for me for like cool cars. Other than that, like I just I just need something that's going to get me place to place and something that I, you know, might look at every once in a while and be like, I like that car. That's a cool, like nice car. You like that Broncos. That's the car I'm going to get. And I'm, dude, I'm going to do what I just said. I'm going to go get that thing's oil changed, get that thing's tires rotated every 3,000 damn miles. That thing <laughs> is going to be going to the shop. And I'm going to be that guy in like 25 years. And people are like, how is he still driving this 2021 Bronco? Yep. And I'm going to be like, because I took care of it. Yeah, man. Those are gonna, you're going to have that vehicle at a, at a, at a show. They're going to say, yeah. this thing looks like it's got 5,000 miles on it because you took care exactly. of it. And then, and then you're going to pray when you buy that Bronco that gas is not 550 or 6 bucks a gallon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you pray. won't be going very, very uh, many places uh, on road trips in that Bronco. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be stuck in the garage all the time. That's yeah. how it'll be in mint condition is gas will be so high that I won't even be able to drive it. <laughs> You'll have a tarp over it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a bike. That's I'll keep a bike in mint condition. All right. Last last question, last topic of discussion. Um, this was something that I remembered talking about with my high school football team when I was like 16. So it's a it's a very kind of just immature, weird question. But if you had a metal bat and medieval armor, do you think you could survive a bear attack? I want to go to you first, singles and doubles. I want your opinion. No. You think he'd bite through it? I I I, I he he'd do something. I, I, I don't <laughs> like my ch- don't like my chances. <laughs> Tony, what kind of bear? Um, I guess go, it... let's go black bear. Grizzly's a little too big. I feel like Grizzly, he'd just chomp us like a tin can. I feel like if you're going to have any shot at all, it'd have to be against a panda. But Bro, he's going to be sitting there eating bamboo and you're going to go bonk him on the head. But no, no, there's no shot. There's no way. I don't think so either. I That's don't why think... I listed these other animals. I don't think a, I don't think a, a bat could do enough damage. And not a bear. It's not like it's just sure. gonna sit there. So no. he's gonna be on top of you, and he's gonna like literally just crush through you. Yeah, there's no. But we had it was a fifty-fifty split on my football team, and these were like testosterone up sixteen-year-old boys who were like, "I could totally take a bear if I had a bat." Yeah. And I remember <laughs> just being like, "You guys are all crazy. Like this bat, this bear would literally just one bite, and your arm would be gone, and then the next bite, your head would be gone." Um. All right. Wolf, chimpanzee, gorilla, <laughs> and jaguar. Out of those four, I think I could take a wolf and a chimpanzee if I had if a I had wolf? medieval armor and a metal bat. A gorilla and a jaguar are both still taking me out, but the first two I think I got. Interesting. I I I, I like my chances with the chimp, uh, but when you said wolf, I think of that one movie. I don't know what it was where the the, the people are out in the you know the in the mountains. And the wolves eventually was it the uh, revenant? Well, that that was the one that, that a was bear? the bear. Revenant. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're um, talking about with the wolves, um, but I don't like know the name. Liam Liam Neeson movie. Yeah, it's like a with, classic. Yeah, and he's like they all end up dying, 
because uh, uh-huh. the wolves, you know, tear him apart, and he's the last one to go. He doesn't make it. Um, now they didn't have the uh, uh, the metal bat and the the, the medieval armor, but mm, just seeing that movie and thinking about the the wolves when they're hungry, that armor is, you know, tin can. Yeah, they got some strong some strong jaws too. Yeah, there's no way. And if you lose the bat, you're screwed. So. Right, you got to hold on to that bat. Yeah. The gorilla and the jaguar. I, I don't know. Don't like my chances there either. This is an interesting question. Um, <laughs> I've never, I've never thought about this, but I'm, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, if you true. think this is interesting, this is mild. This is mild yeah. compared to what it normally is. I didn't, really? I didn't know like oh, enough yeah. about you to like know how far we could go. But sometimes we talk about how you wipe your butt. Um, just absolutely crazy stuff that. Uh, we're not going to have you talk on because wiping your butt is something that we don't like to ask random people that we meet on the internet. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I would say, I would say, I think wolf and chimpanzee are the only two that I think I would even have a chance against gorilla. I think would be probably worse than the bear. I think he would just like hit me. Like he would over the head, smack me a few times and then I would just be gone. But other than that, we're screwed. All right, singles and doubles. We want to uh, to thank you for for hopping on here and and giving some great information to everybody who who listens to this on a weekly basis. So so thank you very much, Teddy, Tony. Thank you guys. I've enjoyed it and a lot of respect for you guys and what you do and uh, appreciate the time. It's great spending you thank know, you an hour with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. I think I think that's good. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Thank you guys, man. You guys do a great job, and I, uh, I've, I've watched uh, several of these, and uh, I love it. So, yeah, thank you so going. much.